This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic. With Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally <coughs> Kenny from the Krabby <coughs> Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common Can't sense. Resist, can you? Your mayor, Joe Sushi. <coughs> But you know, you give me these big, uh, you put the buttons clown size. You, I, know, I know. It's like you wanting to say that Christmas is, has to be canceled. Right. And I've, I've pretty much cured myself of saying we have to cancel Christmas in that funny voice. I have a fairly long email segment here, and there's something for everyone in it. Oh, right? good. Something for everyone. You kill that for me now since you're running the, since you're doing my job now? Beautiful. Thanks. Oh, 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 oh. oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to come in there. And cancel your show. Uh, David Bliss. Well, too late. Too late, yeah. Yeah. Oops, yeah, sorry. Our philosopher in Sofia, Bulgaria. Yesterday we read his thoughts on uh, George Orwell's 1984. And he writes, isn't this this a miracle, uh, the miracle of podcasting, that uh, he listens to it? We have an email already from Bulgaria. How about that? So that's what I'm saying. That's that's amazing. Isn't that something? Technology is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time. Right, Folly? Joe, thanks for reading my letter yesterday. I completely agree with your point about the government not being the problem. In that way, along with others, I'm sure, the 1984 parallels break down. Years ago, when my wife Sasha was studying the Constitution for her U.S. citizenship exam, she looked up from her book and, uh, at me and said, it is impossible to have a dictatorship in this country. Fortunately, that is true. Our country was designed well, and as long as the Constitution holds, so will the ideals of freedom. By the way, <coughs> excuse me, Rookie did a great job on the podcast yesterday. He remembered and found information on John Evans from a show decades ago. Meanwhile, you spent a significant amount of time trying to find an email I sent you on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Looks like he is earning his keep. Have a good day, Dave Bliss, Sophia Bulgaria. Have we heard back from Mr. Evans? Uh, We have not. He has been emailed, and he has been called at his office number. He is retired, so possibly he might not be going in every day. But that's a current listing for both. Or if he's smart, he's somewhere warm. That could be too. Uh, What's this one? Oh, Jessica's uh, Jessica writes. She's the mother of uh, Hannah, my Mm -hmm. CI girl. Uh, Years ago, you played a skit from Britain of a gas passing contest. It was one of the funniest things I've ever heard and provided many opportunities for cartoon bubbles. I was trying to explain to your little CI girl, and she said, can he play it? Because it's probably actually funny. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, uh, if the podcast rules will allow it. It's the crepitation contest. Right. 
Right. Lord Windesmere and Paul <laughs> Boomer. Right. Well, how quickly could you put your hands on it? I don't know right now. <laughs> to tell you the truth, and I, it's not, and you know, and this what is did one. What Paul Boomer train on? Uh, cabbage. Cabbage. Cabbage yeah. is what he trained yeah. on. Oh, it was wonderful. Wasn't it, uh, was no, it a Monty one, Python it, skit, or who was it? Uh, it was done on an old school radio, uh, but I'm, I don't remember. It was done on radio initially because they wanted to not have to use the word fart. It was right. the crepitation contest. Right. Uh, and then Jessica said, if you, uh, could you get Chris to post it on social media? I, uh, Jessica, I have trouble getting uh, either of these morons to do anything. Right. Uh, uh, and this is one I would want to do. That's the, that's the irony of it. Also, Hannah is wondering when I'll get my official GL title. Whenever you refer to someone as the official something, she says, what are you to Joe? I have uh, email. I have entered the summit brewery tour uh, and have fingers crossed that my eternal bad luck takes a break during the drawing so I can finally meet all of you guys in person. Good luck, Jessica. Uh, what does that mean, Reeve? She's entered the contest. Yeah. We will. Well, I um, hope she succeeds. We we will be. Why don't we cheat and find her name and get her a ticket? <laughs> no, of course, from a legal standpoint, Joe, yes, we no, cannot no, do that. No, I'm kidding. Done. For yes. God's sake. So we are uh, reg registering people up until 11.59 on Sunday. 11.59 p.m. on Sunday. This coming Sunday. This coming Sunday. That is Sunday, the Vikings will lose to the to the Dolphins. <laughs> no, they won't, and then you will owe me whatever we bet. We didn't bet anything. I, I thought, well, no, whatever. we didn't bet anything. But that so, would be highly illegal yes, at Bushwood. Yes. So <laughs> people have until then to register. What we're talking about is the live GL podcast listener event at Summit Brewery. Let me stop you right there. I got news for you, people. We're not taking this podcast out on the road very often. Unless you got big-time cash. So, so let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you want in, this Summit Brewery Day on the 21st is your best bet. It's going to be a cool day. We're all going to be there. I think we're even talking Kenny from coming down from the Krabby Coffee Shop that Carl? day. Is it Carl or Kenny Olson? Kenny Olson. No, yes. We'll be there from noon to two doing the show. Then we're going to hang out Why after does he even him. get to have his picture with us? I think <laughs> That's what he, I want to know. I think with... It was contractually mandated. Well, no, I think he took it out himself. Okay. He didn't want it. He put taped in. it on the right. Uh, so you'll get a free pint from Summit, a free sample of the brand new Summit Twenty One, and you'll also get some swag from Summit Brewery as well. And then we're, you can hang out with us after two o'clock. We'll stick around and have a pint or two. I have. A I'll hang you. around for at least ten minutes. Right. The, yeah, he's, no, on, the, he's on the meter. I'll he's hang on the around. Meter. I'll hang around longer than that. For the, the Summit uh, 120 shilling. I do well. like a shilling. From Trill Blow Records, the Battle at Thunderblow. Yep. Windesmere versus Boomer. Uh, the Great Crepitation Contest of 1946 is a comedy record of mysterious origins that gives a play-by-play -play account of an international farting contest between the two. The exact source of the record is unknown, but according to a post on Rand Estoric uh, website, it was created by Canadian Broadcasting Corporation sports announcer. Excuse me, sports Slow announcer. Slow down, man. Sydney S. Brown and producer Jules Lipton, sometime in the forties. Nineteen forty-six. Really? That know. long ago? Yeah. Yes. And here, snippet. It's fifteen minutes, so we can't play the entire thing. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? It is our privilege to bring you at this time an eyewitness report of the first international trepidation contest. We are speaking to you from the ringside of the great Maple Leaf Auditorium, which is packed to the rafters with spectators, eager and curious. For the benefit of my listeners who are not acquainted with the facts relating to this event, it might be well to describe the two contestants. 
Lord Windersmere from uh, Wapping Foghole in Devonshire is, of course, the champion of the British Empire. The challenger is Paul Boomer, native son of Australia, who, I understand, worked his way to Canada in the crew of an ocean freighter carrying a load of Melbourne cabbage, upon which, uh, so it is stated, Boomer <laughs> trains exclusively. Uh, uh, I see now there's a bit of a flurry around Lord Windersmere's entrance. And yes, here he comes, Lord Windersmere. I'll see, I'll see if I can get him to come to the microphone and say a few words. Joe! Joe, will you see if you can get his lordship to come over here for a minute? Uh, tell him it's for the radio. Okay, I'll get him for you. Uh, thanks. Well, our Lord Windersmere appears to be in good spirits. He's smiling and chatting. Thrown about him is a beautiful silk dressing gown of perfect purple velvet upon which is worked, I imagine, to be the, the coat of arms of the House of Windersmere. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, good boy, Joe. Uh, in just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to have his lordship himself come to the microphone and... So if you would, right over here, please. Right over here. Really selling yeah. it. Yeah, right here. Yes. Yes, folks, here he is. Right at the microphone, the champion himself, Lord Windersmere. Uh, Your Highness, uh, how did you come to take an interest in this uh, unusual art? Well, I suppose you could say it all started over Lady Windersmere's fan. I see. Yes, I noticed she was constantly waving this fan in front of her face, so I asked her why did you, she did it. Uh, so she retorted that if I insisted on constantly crepitating, <laughs> she had to fan away in pure self-defense, you see. Well, uh, uh, my friends were drawn into the controversy and persuaded me to capitalize on my proficiency and sort of, uh, sort of going for it and all that. Uh, uh, that's all. Thank you very much, Your Majesty. Thank you, and good luck to you. Your that Majesty. was Lord Windersmere. A champion crepitator of the British... Oh, and here's the challenger. Here comes Paul Boomer. Paul, over here, please. Maple Leaf Gardens, Please yes. ask Mr. Boomer to come over here, please. The radio, we want to speak on the radio. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. I think we'll have Paul Boomer for you right away. Yes, here he comes. His attendant has just pointed us out. And how did Paul... How? <laughs> he just waves his hand in greeting and starts walking over to the microphone. And here, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Paul Boomer. Uh, will you say hello to our audience, Mr. Boomer? Hello, Canada! Uh, now tell me, sir, when did you first realize that you were proficient enough to take a uh, uh, shot at the uh, Empire Championship? Well, ever since I was a little nipper, I liked to fart. I remember I used to make my mother and father laugh their bleeding heads off when I used to let one go in church during the announcement of the ladies' eighth. Hey, excuse me, Mr. Boomer, on the radio, we call it uh, crepitating, now, look here, cobber. What I always says is, a fart's a fart, whether you raise up on one cheek and sneak or whether you give it a full blast like I do. Very well. As long as the CBC is no objection, <laughs> I personally find the four-letter word much easier to say uh, and uh, more descriptive. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, my man God. can change pace and style of offering by a slight, simple shifting of his buttock area. He's still gripping the post and... Complete the concentration. Now has a score of uh, uh, of 65. Those last three fuzzy farts at five points apiece, adding 15 to his previous score. And now here's something coming. A flooper! A flooper! A perfectly executed flooper! What's that? I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That was a follow-up flooper. A follow-up flooper. The second time in the history of this sport that a follow-up flooper has been achieved in open competition. Open. The only other time, I believe, was during the World Series held in Europe in 1783. <laughs> During the course of this... All right. Smiling happily at the crowd. This man has a definite charm about him that has endeared him to all except the most rabid Windersmere fans. <laughs>
And uh, here's the result. Wait a minute. Paul Boomer! One hundred and twenty-three points! Did you hear that? Paul Boomer, hundred and twenty-three points, a world's record. Beating Lord Windersmith's previous world mark of 119 by four points. Paul Boomer, this moment, is the world's champion. But for how long, we don't know, because Lord Windersmith might take it right back again. And here's his lordship now walking up to the post, apparently the not post. in the least disconcerted the by the brilliant performance the of the post, challenger. He's outfitted a little differently from Paul Boomer. He has purple tights, full-length tights, and around the fenêtre de brise, you remember the hole cut out from the center of his seat, around this there's a fringe of little gold tassels about four inches long. This, no doubt, is some decoration affected by... The, just a moment. There seems to be some sort of a dispute here. Paul Boomer and his seconds are on their feet and seem to be arguing with the judges and, and pointing to the fringe on their champion's posterior. A kick out of this, as you know, Threep is a very low scorer, only two points, but to throw one away just in a gesture of defiance demonstrates the spirit of dash and recklessness which has made the Englishman the champion that he is. He's smiling disdainfully now as he returns to the center of the arena. He nods to the judge to show he's ready. And he, hello, what's this? He's not going to use a farting post. Lord Windesmere, the champion, in a final gesture of contempt, scorns the use of the farting post. Well, this is developing into a bit of a grudge contest. He has his hands on his hips, on his feet hips. apart, knees slightly bent, and... A Sizzler, his first attempt, is a, and another one, two in a row, and another one, a third. Three Sizzlers in a row, a tremendous effort, 60 points in his first 30 seconds. This one, and one, two, three, four, four fuzzes, four fragrant fuzzes in rapid succession. It's a pleasure to see the ease and comfort with which his lordship leaves his fart. Perfect technique. My God, and now this his is score well is 80 points, 80 points in the first... 30 seconds of the post. Now he's getting ready again. Hands on hips. A little bit red in the face as he strains to... Oh, oh. oh. Something there. Wait a minute. Something's wrong. The plot. His attendants run into him. Sounds he's in like some it. kind of distress. I see. Yes, the judge's signal. It was a plotcher. Oh, hard luck, your lordship, sir. Hard luck. The champion left a very bad plotcher and will be penalized 15 points. That puts him back to right. 65 points. Yes, the judge is ready for the killing. And here it comes. Uh, a threep. A threep. That's two more points. A little small threep was all it was. Two points. And now it's practically over. Just one more of those little threeps, those... Little two-point threeps in the contest will be over. It seems as though his lordship was deliberately tormenting Boomer by dallying. But Boomer's smiling. It's a forced smile, but he's trying hard. He's sitting there trying hard to take it like the grand sportsman that he is. But he can see defeat standing ready to sweep away his dreams at this almost any end. instant. Oh, and now Lord Windersmith steps forward. Yeah. And hello. Hello, he's going to use the farting post for his final evidence. He grasps the post. Uh, flexes his knees. It looks as though he's going to try for a high-scoring effort for a whirlwind finish. Perhaps another Sisler. And now he's trying very hard. The veins are, are starting out on his forehead, and even oh, the trickle of perspiration venturing down his temple seems to hesitate so that this mighty last effort should have undivided attention. Now, the suggestion of a smile from the champion 
seems to have decided just what treatment is going to give this final bid. <laughs> I see the audience, almost to a man, is on its feet. Breathless and tense. He closes his eyes. <laughs> a look of pure ecstasy on his face. Oh, oh he's sick! The champion is disqualified! What happened? Ladies and gentlemen, as a special service feature, we have brought you direct from the ringside of the Maple Leaf Auditorium a blow-by-blow -blow description oh God, of the first trepidation contest held under international auspices. This broadcast replaced midweek meditation usually heard at this time. <laughs> Boy, that was well-written. Wow. It really was. <clears throat> uh, a note from uh, uh, Jim... Uh, Joe, I live in Tampa and listen every day. I saw this video and thought of your poor, beleaguered Minneapolis city official who doesn't seem to be able to shovel her own sidewalk while requiring it of others. Of others, she could get a dog like Gangster who would help happily help out whenever it snows. Uh, of course, who knows what her PETA backers would say? It's not easy being a Mysterium. Then he linked me to a YouTube of a German Shepherd who, I swear to God, shovels the driveway. Get out! Oh. You're reminding me. Yeah. Of what? Uh, a listener sent, Rook, that's the video that I sent you earlier today. Do you know who also made a snow shoveling video? Hmm. Our guy Frankie McDonald. He did? He did so back in, it's in 2016. The best part about it, he's doing it in May. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. There's green grass. <laughs> there's green I just grass. pulled it up. But you should pull that audio up for Joe. This dog scrapes just like a hockey rink. Yeah. Goes back and forth and scrapes the uh, wow. driveway. That's fantastic. And we have to have a video here for humans to tell them how to shovel the snow. You want to hear Frankie? Just for a moment. Okay, guys. I'm going to show you guys how to shovel this with a heft during the wintertime when you're shoveling snow in the wintertime. Attach the heft into the... Onto the shovel so to... Frankie, it's summer. People can reduce their risk of floor back injuries during winter months when you're shoveling the snow. Yep. If you, anybody want to shovel snow in the wintertime, use your heft and a shovel so, we, so you don't get injured on your back in the wintertime. Okay. Same when you're doing garden to work in the summertime. There he goes. He's stepping back. Stepping back. <laughs> he has two shovels. Watch. Got the shovel. What does he have? I don't know. <laughs> He's pretending to very casually shovel snow. Yep. yep. And in the same spot. He's not even moving. Right. But it's crass. All right. Thank you, Frankie. Wow. Yep. Appreciate it, Frankie. You, Frankie. We got him. John, listen to this one. Yeah. Look at it come down, Frank. <laughs> yeah. Look at it come down, huh? <laughs> Joe, after hearing you talk about Dean Martin's daughter, Deanna, I was reminded of a little-known fact that I wonder if you even know. Mm. Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys was married to Dean Martin's daughter, Jenna. Just a little FYI. Huh. I, did I did not know, know that. that. His, you did know that? I did not. No. I did not know that. His son, of course, was in a band that had some hit records. Oh, they were dreadful. Dino, uh, Desi, Dino and Billy. Desi and Billy. Oh, I'm a fool. That's a great song. Come on. I'm was it Billy fool. Hinch? Uh, Something like that. He was the son of a real estate tycoon, yeah. I think. Yeah. Desi, Desi was Desi Arnaz and uh, Dino. Dean Martin's. Was Dean Martin's kid. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Uh Oh, <clears throat> Scott Matura, the uh, chef out in Montana. Yeah. 
The other day I was relating the story of the principal who banned all Christmas items from the school, only to thankfully get overruled by the board. My stepdaughter immediately replied, she doesn't sound like she likes people. She's nine years old. She figured out what a mysterious is. Exactly. Right? Way to go, and, Scotty. Uh, and finally, uh, Joe from Rick, I'm listening to the uh, December 7th show. I'd like to suggest that you put together a pool that starts when the new Boston district attorney takes office in January. The pool would pay out when the National Guard is officially called to restore order to the city. The prize could be break the glass and smoke luckies. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Rick Anderson. Uh, uh, he of, uh, we know him through the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Sure. The, uh, he's referring to the election out in Suffolk County, the, uh, the new uh, district attorney who uh, is not going to prosecute what she considers to be petty crimes, including breaking and entering and resisting arrest. We're going to be back with John Height. And you know what? You want me to do that, Rook? Yeah, take uh, us up. Johnny, be ready when we come back here. Hey! I want to pay my respects to Joe Suchere, who, uh, in his own way, the mayor of Garage Logic, makes an awful lot of sense out there. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Federal wildlife officials are seeking the public's help in investigating the shooting deaths of four bald eagles in Minnesota this year. Three that were found in April near Cook, and in a separate case, a fourth found in October on the Leech Lake Indian Reservation. The three eagles were found close to the Itasca County line alongside a county highway near Cook, and a criminal investigation is underway. A fourth that appears to have been shot was found at Mission Point on the reservation October 18th. All four birds sent to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Lab in Ashland, Oregon, for forensic analysis of the bullets and other info that could help with the investigation. U.S. Fish and Wildlife officials say they are offering a reward of up to $2,500 for information that leads to the conviction of any responsible party. What is the penalty? Did you mention it? I missed it, John? Uh, boy, I don't know. I'd be. Uh, are they still endangered? It's probably Eagles? less than what it used to be. Yeah, are they still endangered though? I don't no. think they are. They're right? off the list. They're uh, uh, off the list. I don't think we should shoot them, but they're terribly common. There's no season. In no, other words, I don't think right. so. uh, I'll never animals. forget. Remember, we were up at Dutch's place, and that one yeah. went right over our head. Flew right over us. We were getting <laughs> off the pontoon. You can get them. They got Walking them. down. The they path. got them up there. Yeah, yep. Uh, okay, here we go. The bald and gold. <clears throat> Let me try that again. Okay. The bald and golden eagle protection act was ex- amended again with. Several different aspects, such as increasing the civil penalties for violating provisions, increased to a maximum fine of $5,000 and less than one year of imprisonment for first conviction. Wow. Huh. Well, it used to be, I think you were electrocuted. Oh, yeah, you were gone. I think it was death penalty. Right. Yeah. Uh, in Blaine, man, I hate these stories. Two thieves stole a red Salvation Army kettle oh from outside God. the Cub food store December 4th. I have yet to see a bell ringer. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, few and far bunch. between for me as well. There's a lot on the north end. Come on up to my area. I guess I'll have to. Yeah. Or you have not been going to Walmart enough. <laughs> no, but I go to you know drugstores right. and stuff. Surveillance video shows two people stealing the money intended to go towards Salvation Army services. The thieves appear to have used bolt cutters. Oh, rem- I saw the video of this. Yeah, to remove the donation bucket from its stand outside the Cub Foods right next to the Northtown Mall. Captain Mark Borboom of the Blaine Police Department said, I believe it's pretty low, pretty pathetic to prey on a charity at this time of year that's raising money to help those in need. It was a brazen theft, he said, in the middle of the day. The police are still looking for the thieves, who they are now calling the two Grinches. 
Authorities released photos from the surveillance camera to aid in the investigation. It's not known how much money was in the kettle. Uh, Borboom said that if caught, the thieves will be charged with a felony, damage to property, and possession of theft tools. Salvation Army Regional General, uh, Regional, excuse me, General Secretary Robert Dolliver said the kettles and Iconic symbol around Christmas time. That's foghornable. Yeah, don't have one. You have to do it automatically. I don't know where it is. Mm. We want the public to know we're anxious to catch the offenders. Dolliver lives in Blaine, said the larger community there is very generous. Last year, the greater Twin Cities area raised about 2.4 mil. This year, it set a goal of $2.5 million in donations using 370 kettles. You know, uh, a thought occurred to me this morning. You know, you guys are familiar with the porch pirates, the people that are stealing sure. packages and whatnot. Yep. You are quite literally, have, you have zero idea what you're stealing. Yeah. In, in other words, if you go to somebody's house and grab a box, it could be shoes, uh-huh. whatever, that has no value Your to you. Your point being. My, my point being that there, there's a special place in you know where for people like this. Yeah, but there's, it's very common, too, to find stories where people know that they're being victimized by porch pirates, so they have boxes of dog poop out right. there. Or things you, you you would normally bring to Goodwill or just don't right. want anymore, like an right. old ratty T-shirt. Wrap right. it up and throw it right on the— But if you steal steps. from, like, a store, okay, fine, because okay. they got insurance. That's right. Chris endorses that, but so don't go ahead. But yeah. 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 don't steal from people that are— from a store, right. from the store, they can do just, it. You know, walk into Cub Foods, grab some food. Forget about the pants. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Forget about the kettle. <laughs> Didn't we have the guy that had the big rack of ribs in his sweatpants? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Walking like Tim Conway on Carol Burnett. <laughs> Another shopping mall aquarium is coming to the Twin Cities. Sequest Holdings. <laughs> what? Sequest hey, Holdings. Yeah, you got some little people you're looking after occasionally. Oh, you might have yeah. to bring them there. Yeah, this one. This one's. Where is this? This will be a little closer to you. Where? Se- Se- hang on. Sequest Holdings, LLC. It's a bad waiter. I can't wait long Fast. to find out where this is. I need to know right <laughs> you now. Shut up. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just wondering where it is. Sequest Holdings. If it's in my radius. <laughs> it is. Sequest Holdings, LLC, a fast-growing developer of aquariums and other animal exhibits, will be opening an aquarium at Rosedale Center. It's Rosedale very crowded Street. around there. I, you know, I, I don't like malls. It's just uh, you could. Uh, it's too busy. You could drop the kids there, maybe with another adult, and and head up two blocks, uh, three blocks, and see uh, uh, Bart. Bart at, yeah. at Bent Distillery. Nobody might... goes to Rosedale anymore. It's too crowded. No, yeah. Kylie Jenner was just at the Ulta. I just old, heard uh, yesterday. The old uh, Yogi Berry joke. Yeah. Nobody goes to that no, restaurant too anymore. It's too, it's too crowded. crowded. Did you yeah. just drop a Kylie Jenner? Well, I'm just telling you, that's what I heard in my home. They were all excited because Kylie Jenner was at uh, Rosedale yesterday. Yeah. Did you uh, wow. see uh, the story in the paper today uh, about our buddy Bart, uh, Bartley? I did not. Yeah, I'm going to get a liquor the, license. The metro area section uh, has a front cover story. In the Minneapolis about, paper? Yes, about him working to uh, be able to sell his liquors besides his beer. Which is so, a joke that he can't. Yeah, He's now a, distilling, too? He as, has, as oh, has been. Brewing. Has he been has for been. a while. Well, when are we going? Well... <laughs> Uh, you well, I said you can take the kids to the aquarium here and just mosey Gunner, on I'm not going to dump Gunner a couple Ghost. of kids off at a mall well, by themselves. Have, have an adult of <laughs> some go sort. Get loaded. And then go get hammered at <laughs> yeah. Bartley's. Maybe you Load could, up on some Gunner Ghost. Maybe you and your wife, see, then your wife could go with the kids yeah. and pick you up. At no. the, oh, yeah. So that you wouldn't have that'd to That would be a good outcome for you. Yeah, I'm not sure that would work. <laughs> you can life to Ubar. Mm-hmm. Construction has already started on the two-level, 2,300-square-foot attraction in the former Ruby Tuesday space near J.C. Penney at Rosedale. You have it, to pay to see the fish? I don't. 
I would well, imagine there's got to be some. Uh, yeah, to walk in, you have to pay something. Like Sea Life at the uh, MOA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll employ about 75 people and bring Rosedale into competition with what Rook was just talking about, the Mall of America's aquarium called Sea Life, Minnesota. Uh, if you're wondering what you'll be able to see there, you'll be see, uh, seeing sharks, uh, stingrays, mm-hmm. snorkel. I feel tr- the same way about that as they do the zoo. I was just going to oh. ask if you're anti-aquarium. I, I am. Let them fish. Let them swim around. Oh, they're swimming in a pool and they're getting fed. They're yeah. like, hey, yeah. let's go. Uh, you'll also, at the mall. Right. <laughs> now, at the Rook, have you been to the Mall of America one? Yeah, Sea can, Life. Yeah, can, I you, have too. can you snorkel there? Uh, you cannot. You would have to have a special invitation. This no, no, one, you, apparently you can. No, you the can at the Mall of America once. Why would you, you snorkel with a shark? <laughs> well, no, it'd be with tropical fish. So oh. you'd go see the pretty fish. You'd snorkel with them. I will say shark. that sea life that. is really nifty because you've got moving walkways underneath. Yeah, It's cool to see the, the sea I life I ain't there. standing under no bucket of water, I'll tell you that. But go on a Monday <laughs> afternoon yes. when there's few yeah. people there. You go on the go weekend, weekend, you're going right? to, yeah, no, no thanks. A jury has recommended life in prison plus 419 years for James Alex Fields Jr. He was convicted of murder for driving his car into counter-protesters at that white nationalist rally in Charlottesville last August. A 32-year-old Heather Heyer, a paralegal and civil rights activist, killed nearly three dozen others injured. The jury made its recommendation on Tuesday, a day after listening to emotional statements from survivors who described devastating injuries and complicated recoveries. The same jury convicted Fields of first-degree murder and other felonies, rejecting the lawyer's arguments that he had acted in self-defense. John? Yes. Yesterday, in your absence, uh, I was uh, asking the fellas uh, to find me a story on uh, that I recalled reading uh, surgery students losing dexterity in their hands huh. uh, for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and I, I got find it. I got a note from yeah. the offside correspondent, Kelsey, uh, who says, your paid staff couldn't find this. It took me five seconds. <laughs> it's a BBC story. Huh. Surgery students losing dexterity to stitch patient, patients. A professor of surgery says students have spent so much time in front of screens and so little time using their hands that they have lost the dexterity for stitching or sewing up patients. That's my excuse for not being able to find it with my fingers. Roger Kneebone, <laughs> professor of surgical education at Imperial College London, says young people have so little experience of craft skills they, that they struggle with anything practical. Oh. Tell, <laughs> tell the truth, fellas. You didn't even look, did you? I, did. I, I, I was did. looking for the American version. That yeah. BBC yeah. threw me off. Professor yeah. Kneebone says he is... See, that's a hell of a name for yeah. a doctor. Kneebone. Right. Dr. Professor Kneebone. Dr. Kneebone. I'm trying to finish oh, the paragraph. That's right. <laughs> Professor Kneebone says he has seen a decline in the manual dexterity of students over the past decade, which he says is a problem for surgeons who need craftsmanship as well as academic knowledge. Hmm. An obvious example is of a surgeon needing some dexterity and skill in sewing or stitching, he said. Uh, a lot of things are reduced to swiping on a two-dimensional flat screen, he says, which he argues takes away the experience of handling materials and developing physical skills. Such skills might once have been gained at school or at home, whether in cutting textiles, measuring ingredients, repairing something that's broken, learning woodwork, or holding an instrument. Students have become less competent and less confident in using their hands. We have students who have very high exam grades but lack tactile general knowledge, said Professor Kneebone. So because somebody plays the oboe, they're going to be able to uh, be a better surgeon? Yes, stands to reason. See, I thought the texting would have improved their dexterity, but I guess he's right. You spend a lot of time not using your hands, just swiping screens. Mm. Also, uh, loyal listener Terry 
emailed us saying that uh, talking about the videos. Is Kelsey? Yeah. Well, he's not a loyal listener. He's the chief offsite Sorry. correspondent. Chief offsite correspondent. Yeah, rips Kelsey. Us every chance he can. Uh, when <laughs> talking about the uh, instructional videos on how to remove snow, he was wondering why the city of Minneapolis didn't have an instructional how to set the hump on fire. Yeah. Right. I've tried that. Somebody could do that just in videotape. <laughs> right. 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 Post office news, Joe. Love it. Looking for ways to boost revenue for the U.S. Postal Service's operations, the Trump administration is suggesting selling access to mailboxes. Oh, I'd get my own government garage logic mailbox. (laughs) (laughs) Government report issued last week said the legal mailbox monopoly remains highly valuable as a means of generating more income. The mailbox monopoly could be monetized. Wow. Uh, what that uh, means, basically, uh, it didn't detail how much the U.S. US Postal Service could earn. It suggests, though, they could charge third-party party delivery services like UPS or FedEx to gain access to consumer boxes. That, of course, uh, as we all should know, uh, is illegal right now. In fact, uh, you can't even, if you're a neighbor, stuff anything in somebody's mailbox. That's also illegal. But they say if they sell that access... They could make more money. What do you mean? You can put something in your neighbor's mailbox. You're not supposed to. That's actually against the law. I did not know that. Yeah. But isn't it more like if you have a... What if somebody from the neighborhood is coming around saying we're doing our annual cancer fundraising and they put something in your mailbox? Is that That's why illegal? There's That's the illegal. undercarriage yes. part. Like in my neighborhood, there's the row of them. There's eight in a row. Uh-huh. And then there's also a, a little shelf underneath. Yeah. And that's where the flyers usually go. So probably, is that why? Probably, yes. Huh. Yeah. No, it's it's illegal. I've I've always known that. I'll actually. be damned. You're not supposed to do that. So we we think that a company that can't get mail right or an organization that can't get mail no, right. Watch how you speak about the post. I, Joe's I, very offended. Right. I'm just saying they've been losing money for years not just really. doing their job. Not really. Their problem is their unfunded liabilities for pensions and health insurance for their yeah, retirees. It's, it's not the delivery part that loses them no, money. They're making the, money. Okay. The pensions yeah. and the uh, yeah. yeah. But if you have a Mail carrier that snitches on you because you put something in somebody else's yeah, mailbox. Yeah, I, w- I would. That, that guy or gal's not getting. I've never tip. been snitched upon. Well, I mean that's good. I I, I don't think you should be snitched mm-hmm. upon. Though. Kathy Lee Gifford is stepping away from NBC's Today Show in April. She announced on Tuesday's broadcast. <laughs> Why is she Frank Gifford's wife? Yep. Yep. All right. well, she was, but we lost widow. Frank a while ago, widow. right? Frank's widow. Yeah. Uh, Gifford will leave the show after 11 years of getting up early. Most recently, hosting the 10 a.m. hour alongside. I never know how to say Hoda's name. How do you say it? Hoda. Well, I know, but what's her last oh, well, name? Well, spell it. K-O-T-B. Hoda Kotab. K-O-T-B. Hoda Kob. Hoda Kob. It's got a weird pronunciation. K-O-T-B with moose and <laughs> monster in the morning. Hoda Hoba. Hoda Koba. Hoda Koba. The reason she stayed so long, she says, is because she loves everybody at the show so much. In a memo to staff obtained by the Associated Press, NBC News Chief Noah Oppenheim called the 65-year-old Gifford one of the most enduring and endearing talents in morning television. Uh, He said she will now focus on her film, music, and book projects. In a memo, Oppenheim said said Gifford told him she was leaving with a grateful heart, but she's truly excited. Is she different than Kathy Lee? She is Kathy Lee. (laughs) Isn't there a Kathy Lee? Kathy Lee Gifford. Well, who was on with Regis? Huh? Was it her? Yeah, was it Regis and Kathy Lee? Yeah. Yeah, it sure was, Joe. But there's somebody else, though, uh, yeah. like her. Uh, 
No, Sara Lee. She does the pies. No, was, <laughs> I, I thought Kathy Lee was different than Kathy Lee Gifford. <laughs> Kathy Lee Gifford. Oh. She was the one on with uh, Regis, yes. Okay. You know, um, Pat is filling in for Julia on Friday for the Lori oh. and Julia show. Well, the Lori or ever, Julia if show. If you've never heard that, you have to listen. Um, you should... Since with your knowledge of uh, of Kathy Lee, maybe you should yeah. stop in for well, a couple minutes. Why don't we run down the hall and find out? Just get Lori or Julia. How do you say Hoda Kolb? Hoda Kolb? Hoda Kolb. They're having some problems finding. That's probably something you could look up. I'm already in doing You want to be embarrassed by the chief offsite correspondent? Kind of. Makes for better radio content. There's no way they're going to tell us what it is. Sure. How do you pronounce How do you pronounce her last name? Hoda Kolb. <laughs> the, other, the other way that I've found as a newscaster mm-hmm. is just to go to a clip of the show where they actually say her name. That's, that's a good point, Jim. Let's way. go to the tape. Kobe. Yeah. Kobe. Uh, Hoda Kobe is what, according to, uh, it's is it Arabic or Egyptian? Egyptian. According to Wikipedia. Egyptian. Huh. Hoda Kobe. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kevin Hart's abrupt departure, departure from the Oscars host position has left the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences scrambling. This so, is your last story. Okay. Because I can't stand these Oscar BSers. As of right now, they can't find anybody to uh, Nobody wants to do it. These people the have destroyed the themselves. They're all a member of the party, the same party, and now they're all petrified and terrified because they, they've they reached the point where they can't say anything. Uh-huh. I wonder, Someone I su- wonder if that's why I brought this story in. Yeah, I think it was. Joe might say something. You know Somebody had suggested they should just make Trump the host because they're, they're going to spend the whole night talking about him anyway, <laughs> which I thought was a great point. Wouldn't that be fun if oh. he was the host of the Oscars? And he just torched oh, yes. everybody. I think yeah. that would be great. Pat Sajak had a very good uh, tweet that I saw. Yeah. He said, have the Oscars on the first night, do all the movie praising, everything, and then have your political night the second night. Yeah, and then good. people can and watch or have to watch. watch. Right. Pat Sajak is very funny on Twitter. Hmm. Very funny. What's Why he do? He's a show host. He's the host of Wheel, Wheel, of Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. But no. his show, his talk show, even though he is very witty, yeah. it just didn't work. I don't. No, I don't didn't. understand why. He he basically tried to do imitate David Letterman. Well, it's, you, through his oh, okay. talk show it's because thing. people couldn't sit still on that wheel. I mean, right. they, he I would mean, bring him in for an interview and it would just spin. Right. A pair of California nuns. Allegedly yes. embezzled half a million dollars. You go, sister. No vile poverty. From tuition and other school funds and used it to pay for gambling trips to Las Vegas. Wow. Uh, don't say gambling. As Monsignor Steiner said, games of chance. Games of chance. Games of chance. <laughs> the duo allegedly kept their scam going for about a decade, stealing money from St. James Catholic School in Torrance, located about 26 miles south of Los Angeles. School officials told parents the women stole $500,000. Sister Mary Margaret Cruper was the school's principal, and Sister Lang- Lana Chang taught eighth-grade students. Both retired earlier this year. Neither so far has been charged with a crime, but in a letter to parents, Monsignor Michael Myers called the amount of money stolen substantial. Myers said the school has always operated in the black, making things less suspicious. The fraud wasn't discovered until the school conducted a routine audit of Cruper ahead of her retirement from the school after 28 years. The nuns allegedly used a forgotten bank account set up by the school in 1997. Auditors say Cooper handled the tuition checks before giving them to the bookkeeper for processing. She would then deposit some of the checks into that forgotten account and endorse the checks with St. James Convent instead of St. James School. 
Both nuns acknowledged the theft when they were confronted and apologized. Both are uh, cooperating with the ongoing investigation. Both have promised they will pay back the money to the school. Former First Lady Michelle Obama has booked a Twin Cities date for her Intimate Conversations book tour. She'll take the Excel Energy Center stage on March 13th. Tickets for Becoming an Intimate Conversation with Michelle Obama go on sale this Saturday at Ticketmaster. Uh, ticket prices and other details haven't been disclosed yet, uh, but a recent appearance in New York City, uh, tickets were $129 to $500. The tweet this morning, Obama said she's added one final round of events to see folks in some of the cities she missed. That's great. Wow, that sounded sincere. He's got uh, crepitation contest practice, so he's got he's got to get ready to fly. It's all good. <laughs> all right, uh, thank you to the entire staff today: Joe Souchere, uh, Chris Reavers, Johnny Height, myself, the rookie, and Paul Black, kneeling on the uh, the floor here trying to fix the next gen. Paul, we appreciate it. All right, catch us at GarageLogic.com. Rate us on Apple iTunes. But if you'd like to see some of the latest, Greg Holcomb. Comics and caricatures, you may also find out what's on Joe's bookshelf with Author's Corner. One click away from more Garage Logic. Catch you next time. Thank you.